Hello listeners, it's time again on Drive Time this afternoon. Welcome to Faith FM. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to the difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor David Butcher, the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia. We're broadcasting from the beautiful city of Adelaide, and it's really wonderful to be with you today and for you to join us as uh, we share in God's Word. Uh, This week we're taking as our theme, The New Birth and the Work of the Holy Spirit. And today our question will be, Can the Holy Spirit Change Me? So our co-host today is uh, Pastor Gary. Gary is the, the main host of uh, uh, Big Q&A. Gary, um, what's it like sitting on that side of the desk again? I tell you what, David, this is a little bit scary. I've got to admit it. I, I, I don't have any of the uh, controls. I can be turned off at a whim. And uh, uh, to me, it's, uh, it's challenging. But it's a real privilege to be able to come and share the Bible study today. It's challenging sitting on this side too, Gary. It really is. Um, uh, Gary, we had a temperature forecast today for about 30 degrees. It's uh, probably been a bit milder than that, hasn't it? It has been. and uh, But isn't Adelaide in springtime such a fantastic place uh, to actually live? I mean, I love living in this place uh, this time of the year. I mean, in winter it can get just a tad cold, in summer it can get a tad hot. But uh, spring and autumn, I tell you, this is absolutely idyllic uh, type weather. It is. And uh, I don't know about you, I do get a bit of hay fever at times, but this season so far it's been pretty good. Yeah, I also get a little bit, and uh, I also have been pretty good at the at the present time. So I uh, uh, pray that that does actually continue. Mm. So Gary, uh, besides what you do here on Faith FM for Big Q&A, you're also the pastor of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right down near a, a little town on the or a little city on the coast or part of Adelaide called Glenelg, a bit further south. Mm-hmm. Um Beach suburb. You've got everything there. Tell me about your church and how it's going, Gary. Yeah, no, look, it's a real privilege. And I want to say a really big uh, shout out to uh, all my good mates at the uh, Brighton Church. I know there's quite a number of them that do actually listen every, every day. Apparently they don't get enough of us uh, once once a week. And uh, I just want to say a really big uh, hello to each of them. But yeah, look, um, Brighton Church is a, uh, we're a, we're a small church. We probably have about 80, uh, 80 people attending each, uh, each weekend, uh, but that means that we can actually have a, a really close and and vibrant association with with each other. The thing I appreciate is just some of the the young people that we do actually have there. You know, so many congregations today are actually greying, and of course, I'm greying more than I would want at this point in my my life. Um, but uh, uh, at at Brighton Church, we have a nice group of uh, of young people, uh, both. Uh, very young and also uh, university age. And to me, that's that's a really beautiful thing to actually see in a church. And, and Gary, I've seen a number of, um, you know, uh, YouTube clips, etc., with people that have walked into your church. And uh, it's quite common for me to hear that they say they've found themselves at home. It's been friendly. It's been warm. It's been welcoming. Yeah, yeah. And look, David, that's something that you can't actually force into a church. Um, this is something that a church uh, is able to engender, I believe, only through the work of the, the Spirit of God. Um, but uh, to me, I, I really appreciate the people that we've actually got 
at our Brighton Church because they are people who are uniquely gifted to actually make people feel comfortable. In fact, I've said a number of times at our church, I said, to me, our spiritual giftedness, you know, sometimes we look at uh, the evangelists, sometimes we look at teachers and preachers, but to me, the uh, the uh, spiritual giftedness that I most appreciate in a church are the gifts of encouragement and hospitality because I believe that those are the two uh, gifts that will actually build a church. Encouragement and hospitality. The preacher can preach uh, once a week but if those two are lacking then uh, he will go nowhere. But if those two are present even a poor poor church poor church pastor uh, will actually see his church grow. And look Gary, one of the things as as a church minister that I've really um, valued and, and really praised God for um, is that when the church is committed and in the one direction, mm. God sends people. He sends people from the community. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. you don't even have to advertise, but people come. They do, they do. And, and you've of, had this, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I look, the number of people that, you know, people who have just walked in, uh, and once they walk in, the chances of them staying is actually reasonably high. And uh, to me, that's that's an incredibly beautiful thing. And can I say, we've actually had uh, some people walk in from Faith FM, you know, from this particular broadcaster. Look, if you happen to be, let me put a little bit of a plug in for the Brighton Church. Go for it, Gary. We'll charge you later. Go for it. Look, guys, if you happen to be here in Adelaide and you'd like to come along to the Brighton Church, we'd love to have you uh, come and uh, and join us at worship. Now, we have our Bible study period that starts at 9.30 every Saturday morning. And then at 11 o'clock, we start our our worship service. Now, this week, uh, I'm actually uh, going to be preaching and I'm going to be looking uh, this week at the entry of the uh, the nation of Israel into uh, the uh, land of Canaan. We're going to be looking at a place called Kadesh Barnea and the change that took place and the, the process uh, that occurred in the minds of so many uh, as they came to enter the promised land. Because you know David, the thing I'm totally convinced about is that we're standing right on the borders of the promised land right now. I believe our world is actually changing and and uh, as a result, you know, the way we do things has to, it's no longer business as usual. But you've just dropped me into preaching mode. Uh, it's no longer preaching business as usual. There's something far bigger that's actually taking place. It is certainly a picture, isn't it, of um, we're nearing, we're there at the borders on, on, on the River Jordan, uh, waiting to cross over into the Promised Land. And how will we live? How will we respond? That's it. Gary, um, Amelia Street Hove in Adelaide. Amelia Street Hove. Uh, it's uh, it's it's called Brighton. Brighton is just a, a couple of blocks uh, away. More people know Brighton than than Hove, but uh, Amelia Street. I think it's number ten. Amelia Street uh, Hove uh, at uh, nine thirty. If you'd like to join us for our Bible study period, eleven o'clock. If you'd like to come and join us for uh, for worship, and uh, this uh, this weekend I'll I'll be preaching. I'd love uh, to be able to you know say hello to you. So go up and say hi to Gary. Gary, um, we'll go to our World Watch segment now. Yeah. And um, I really like a lot of the stuff you dig out. And um, one of the things I came across just last week was uh, one of the most popular comics um, and uh, superheroes, if you like. Now, uh, growing up um, in my home, we didn't have a TV till I was seven. I did a lot of reading. But occasionally I would watch um, uh, Batman, you know, occasionally. Yeah. A- and um, never really got 
caught on this particular superhero called Superman. Well, I can actually remember coming home from school when I, I'm a, bit, a little bit older than you and uh, watching on the family's black and white a television. I can well remember uh, watching a Superman. Uh, and in those days, I'm, Jim Reeves was the uh, Superman hero in those days. Uh, I've, I saw uh, a few clips just a little while ago and I just uh, watched them for old time's sake and I thought, wow, uh, did we really sit and, uh, and watch that. <laughs> so um, you're certainly not as old as Superman, but Superman uh, this year, the comic books have been out for 80 years, the comic books, wow. 80 years. Wow, I didn't realise that. Which is significant. It is. And um, uh, clearly a, a number of these superheroes have underlying undercurrents which uh, don't really align with Christianity. There's no, no question there, is there? Yeah. But yeah. Um, one of the disturbing things that I came across just this last week and uh, this is an article in uh, found online on My Christianity, and it's called New Man of Steel, Superman Comes Out in New DC Comic. And uh, this uh, came out on October 12. Uh, the author is Daniel Jarvis. And it says here, um, it's official, political correctness is ruining everything. The son of everyone's favourite superhero, Superman, has decided it's time to follow the crowd coming out as bisexual in the new DC comic. Yeah. This yeah. is uh, significant, isn't it? Oh, look, David, this, is, this to me is frightening stuff. You know, so many people don't actually realise that um, in, in comics, comics have as much education in them as when children are actually sitting in a classroom. What we're actually doing with comic books is educating uh, young people. And uh, certainly, when uh, when I was was growing up, yes, there was. We watched Superman, uh, you know, Jim Reeves. But the educational uh, point and takeaway in every single episode was a battle between good and evil. But always, good would actually come out on top, uh, you know. And that was the that was the underlying. It was only it was a simple point, but. It was there nonetheless. There were a few others as well, but that was certainly the major one. In this particular comic, there is a totally different educational point that's being brought to the surface. Absolutely. And, and I mean, it's it's quite distressing from a traditional biblical-based um, sexuality uh, belief. John Kent is the son of Superman and the son of Clark Kent in this series. It's the upcoming, it's the fifth, uh, series uh, of these uh, comics, and um, the fifth issue is actually called Superman, Son of Kal-El, and um, essentially it will confirm when it comes out, and it's coming out early November, that the new Superman, John Kent, child of Clark Kent and, and Lois Lane, is bisexual after falling for Jay Nakamura, a male reporter, DC Comics announced this week. Yeah. Yeah, da look, David, can can I make an, a, an appeal here, particularly to uh, those who are uh, are listening to our, our broadcast, who might be parents, particularly of uh, primary age children, because that's the major market. You know, if you can actually have a child in primary school adopt certain worldviews, uh, that is a worldview that will flow through uh, right through to to eternity. And you know, I think there's uh, there are huge groups of people who understand that, and we need to 
understand that as well. And I've actually challenged many of our, our parents to say, hey, look, please be aware of what your children are watching and listening to. And uh, just, just a little while ago, I know I, I spoke to, uh, to, a, uh, to a church member uh, and they were, they were distressed about the video gaming that their young people were actually involved in. Mm. And uh, this was incredibly... Dis- they were almost distressed to tears over it because uh, their young people had actually become addicted uh, to video gaming. And uh, I-, I said to them, hey, look, you know, this this is something... I know how incredibly difficult this is, particularly when children go and visit their friends' homes and their friends' homes allow the children to do things that may not be occurring in uh, your particular home. And to me, I... As I look at this, I started, uh, I started to realize, hey, our parents have got an incredibly difficult job today, but this is something that parents do need to be aware of and actually make a stand on. Absolutely. And, and look, um, this is not the first superhero where bisexuality or coming out has come into the picture. Uh, Batman and Robin. In August of this year, DC Comics, uh, with the character of Robin, he came out as bisexual. And there's at least 50 others I've read of, maybe not all as well known, that in probably the last 10 or 15 years have come out as, you know, lesbian or bisexual or homosexual. Which does, as you say, Gary, uh, create challenges for what parents allow or let their children watch. Now, the um, the writer of uh, of these comics. Uh, he said this, he said, I've always said everyone needs heroes and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes. And I'm very grateful DC and Warner Brothers share this idea, said writer Tom Taylor. Superman's symbol has always stood for hope, for truth and for justice. Today, that symbol represents something more. Today, more people can see themselves in the most powerful superhero in comics. So that's what's before us. And, and, and look, what he is saying there, I believe, actually misrepresents. Because if you do want to actually take what uh, uh, what the Superman uh, um, uh, motto is, truth, justice, and the American way is actually what what it used to be. Do you know? To me, as I as I look at that, truth. What is truth? You're actually living in a world today that denies there is any truth. That's what Pilate said, didn't he? That's exactly what Pilate said. And yet, now we have foisted on us a comics that are prepared to say this is presenting truth. This, David, is nonsense. And justice. Gary, uh, before we get off this particular topic, I also came across another online article called New California Law Means Toy Stores Must Include Gender Neutral Section. Uh, this was on October 13, Matthias Brown on My Christianity, MyChristianDaily.com. And it says a new bill signed into law by California Governor Gavin Newsom will mean that the state's retailers will need to maintain a gender-neutral area for its toy displays. Physically located in California, uh, any business that has over 500 or more employees across all of California retail department store locations, they will need to have a section for these gender-neutral toys. Mm. And, um, yeah, 
What are your thoughts there? Well, yeah, David, look, look, this is something. Obviously, there's very little we can do about the legislation, although I, I would say that we're make, uh, to me I'm becoming far more conscious about the people that I'm actually voting for into Parliament because these laws are actually not coming out of a vacuum. But one of the things that I think we actually can positively respond to this is to, uh, to actually um, not purchase certain materials. And uh, to me, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to encourage people to say, hey, look, you know, it really is worthwhile um, purchasing things that meet your particular standards uh, and not purchasing things if they're not living up to biblical standards. Now, uh, to me, as I just sort of look at uh, uh, Romans chapter chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You know, as I read what uh, the Apostle Paul has actually written there. To me, there is an injunction that's actually being laid on Christian people, whereby what he's attempting to say is, I want you to be different from all that the world is actually foistering on us. That means we need to take an active um, approach to what we view, to what we purchase, to what we allow our children to view and participate in. And I think, as you say, Gary, um, we don't want to be out there in protests, um, you know, violent protests or anything like that. That's not what God um, yeah, yeah. God is about. But we certainly can make choices. We can also speak to our, the politicians that are meant to represent us and ask them these questions where they stand on these issues and, and what think, their party's policies are. I think that is actually so important. You know, David, um, many of us uh, would, would feel a little bit nervous about uh, standing for parliament ourselves. But, you know, to actually inquire of our parliamentarians and say, look, you know, where do you actually stand? Now, my guess is that most of them won't actually tell you because most of them are not um, aren't based on uh, their beliefs aren't based on personal values um, but today to actually ask the question uh, they do actually respond to uh, sufficient pressure from the community and I know a number of times in recent times I've certainly written letters to, to various parliamentarians and uh, responded and just simply said hey look you know, um, you know what do you um, where do you stand on this particular issue? You know, will you take this stand? Now, generally, I, I don't get a response. I accept that. But the point is, it's a letter from me where I'm actually expressing my view. And if enough people do actually do that, politicians do actually respond to it. They do. They stop and listen, don't they? So the other thing there, let's pray for our political leaders. Indeed. Let's pray Indeed. for a political... Gary, we need to uh, head to some music. And David, can I say, look, there's no need... We, we don't have to be argumentative. No. We can be uh, incredibly gracious in what we say, and yet in being gracious, uh, we can also make take a definite stand that what is occurring here is actually wrong. Look, absolutely, definitely, 100%. Um, thank you, Gary. Really appreciate that. Um, let's uh, go to some music. BJ Thomas, he's got it all in control. He's got it all in control. He's got it all in control. 
control He's put that reassurance Way down in my soul He's got it all in control I've put my life in his hands I've put my life in his hands So every road I walk down I'm sure is in his plan Cause I've put my life in his hands He holds a star He's got it all in control He's put that reassurance Way down in my soul He's got it all in control Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor David. Today our co-host is Pastor Gary. Gary is the coordinator of the Big Q&A Drive Time program and he's the pastor of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're taking as our theme the new birth and the work of the Holy Spirit. And today we will ask the question, can the Holy Spirit change me? But before we get onto that topic, we have a free giveaway for you as our listeners today. It's in line with the theme of this week. And the book is called Spirit Baptism and Abiding in Christ. Spirit Baptism and Abiding in Christ. If you would like to get today's offer, all you need to do is text the code word SA21, no gap between A and 21, SA21 to 04888880811. That's uh, text the code word SA21, no gap between that, and text it to 04888880811. And um, this is a really good book. Um, the author, uh, Dennis Smith, has written a number of books on the Holy Spirit. Spirit Baptism and Abiding in Christ. Has your Christian experience been all you hoped it would be? 
In this book, the biblical teaching of what it means to abide in Christ and his abiding in the believer is presented. Many Christians who sincerely want to obey Christ in all things fail again and again because of not understanding this incredible truth. When Jesus lives in the believer, we know that um, Christ will do a work through us, that those besetting sins will be overcome, and our walk with the Lord will be one of continual victory. But sadly, that's not always the case in what we experience in our Christian life. So I want to invite our listeners to text us in to get this free giveaway book, Spirit Baptism and Abiding in Christ. Text the code word SA21. No gaps. SA21 to 04888-80811. That's 04888-80811. While I have you here, before we go to Gary as well, um, on Saturday the 30th of October in Adelaide, we have a special program that we'd like to invite our South Australian listeners to. It's going to be held at the Christian Family Centre, 185 Frederick Road, Seton, 185 Frederick Road, Seaton, on the 30th of October, the Saturday, and it begins at 10 a.m. And we'll be looking at this, uh, I guess, a political, oh, it's, a, it's a hot potato topic, Gary, the collision of church and state, biblical principles for navigating a world in crisis. Mm. And that's really what we're living in now, isn't it? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a really key subject, this one. Uh, I know I've had so many people actually talk to me about this particular issue because our world has changed, and I don't think it's going to be going back to the way it was. No, so that's Saturday the 30th of October, 10 a.m. at 185 Frederick Road, Seton. The Collision of Church and State, Biblical Principles, for navigating a world in crisis, and we'd love to see you there. Gary, our topic today is, can the Holy Spirit change me? And um, look, th- this whole topic of, of the Holy Spirit, um, the concept of the Holy Spirit is is clouded in mystery in some ways. There is a lot of emphasis in the Old Testament on, on God the Father. We come to the New Testament and we see Jesus. Um, and Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm. The Holy Spirit seems to be in the background. Uh, Jesus then says he'll send uh, someone like himself, another comforter, um, you know, Christians talk about the fact that Jesus promises to to be with us forever. Uh, the Holy Spirit is meant to live within us. Uh, I mean, this seems all very ethereal, Gary. Can the Holy Spirit change me? Yeah, no, look, David, this, this I believe, is a really key question, and uh, I, I certainly accept that this is one of those subjects that many Christians really do struggle with. And yet, what I want to suggest to you, David, is that this is actually one of the great, what I would call, unseen realities of life. Do you know, we actually live with unseen realities all the time. Uh, you know, just a, you know, decade, decades back, if we were to uh, say to our grandparents that, you know, it's possible to transmit images and voices through the air, uh, our grandparents, uh, our great-grandparents would have said, hey, uh, that's totally impossible, you know, it just, it's just something that's crazy. It's crazy. It's really out there, you know. If somebody was to say back in the, the, in the 1800s that diseases can be caused by factors that are invisible to the naked eye, then uh, that person would actually be laughed at, you know. What we've actually got here is there are some great 
unseen realities in life. You know, today you've got this issue, you know, you've got uh, radioactivity, you've got uranium, you know, it can't be seen, it doesn't have any smell, it doesn't make any noise, um, yet we have no doubt that it does actually exist. Uh, we know that it has the ability to create even more energy. Most of us are actually prepared to accept that uh, there is so much more that's actually out there to be discovered. You know, I mean, I, I remember reading an article one time, someone was actually uh, discussing and saying, hey, look, you know, uh, what about uh, the invisibility cloak? You know, I mean, sometimes science fiction movies have an invisibility cloak in them. That'd be you good, know, wouldn't it? That, well, that, that would be an interesting little dynamic, a bit frightening, I might add. True. Um, but, you know, will that ever be discovered? You know, once upon, you know, people, you know, might laugh at me for even suggesting that, but I would point out that just a few years ago, the concept of transmitting voices and uh, and pictures through the air was also laughed at. And Gary, I remember four or five years ago hearing uh, an author, a scientist on the ABC sort of saying, uh, science has changed. Everything that we thought or most things that we thought were solid 30, 40 years ago, um, we've moved on from that. We have. We have. And that's exactly the issue because what Christ is actually doing talking about the Holy Spirit is he's talking about an unseen power. He's talking about something that, you know, that we, people might say, oh, that doesn't exist. But really? Really? Are you prepared, honestly prepared to say that there is something out there that does not exist? I mean, as I, as I look at this, I sort of say, hey, you know, I have seen enough in my own lifetime. I've seen enough changes take place. I mean, I can well remember uh, the mobile phone. I can well remember my very first mobile phone. It was called a car phone. I carried it around like in a, a little handbag, handbag, a little brick is what we called it. And uh, in fact, it was, we had one in the office that I worked at and we shared it amongst all the people who are going out on trips because uh, that was that was such an amazing invention absolutely ama- are we prepared to say that there's nothing there's something out there that doesn't exist do you know to me as i as i look at this i turn around and say hey christ spoke of something that i believe the evidence is sufficient to say certainly does exist Anyway, let's come to the to the scriptures because I really want us to dig into just a, a few things here. Uh, do you know the um, uh, the book of Acts? I, I love uh, the book of Acts, it's and uh, it's uh, the first few chapters. And look, if if you're uh, struggling in in some way with your spiritual life, uh, the book I would recommend to so many is actually the book of book of Acts. I mean, it's probably in fact I call it the Gospel of Acts. What's what's your favourite book, Dave? Probably Mark or John, but Acts, uh, it's just phenomenal to see the way how Christianity spread and grew in spite of persecution in the book of Acts and and, and that Jesus didn't leave people as orphans. Um, the impact of of the, of the Holy Spirit upon that early church was phenomenal. It, it was, it was. And, and that's the story that we actually get in the book of Acts. And often when people are discouraged, I'll say, look, what I want you to do is I want you to go and read through. In fact, I encourage people to read the Gospel of Luke and then what I call the Gospel of Acts. Well, it's I, a continuance, isn't it? It's if, a you're, if you follow after Luke 24, 
Acts 1, basically, um, and he talks about how he'd written previously. Exactly. It's, it's exactly the same author. And I find you just get a consistency going through there. And uh, I have actually people who are struggling with devotional time. I'll actually say to them, look, what I want you to do is go and pick up the, the gospel of Acts, because, uh, the, uh, Luke, uh, to start there because it's set out in an incredibly logical format. And then keep going into the same author's second book, the book of Acts. Uh, but the thing that I love about what uh, Luke says here in Acts is uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, and it says this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, here's Christ. What Christ is doing is promising his disciples a gift. A gift. Now, Christ has just given them a command. In Matthew 28, it says, Go into all the world. I want you to preach, to teach, to baptize. I want you to do all of these these wonderful things. But then, just before he ascends to heaven, here in, uh, and that's what the next thing that, that does, he says, now look, I'm sending you out with this great commission to the whole world, but right now, I don't want you to go at all. What I want you to do is I want you to go and sit in Jerusalem and just wait. And what for, Master? Hey, well, just just wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, does this make sense to you, Dave? Not if you look at the Gospel Commission. Go, you know, and, and then here he's saying wait. And if you tell a child, you know, go do something or, or or do this, do that, Jesus goes up into heaven, doesn't he, in this chapter, and the disciples, what are they going to do? Are they going to obey what their master said? That's that's exactly the point here. And, you know, I, I'm so conscious that as churches, we've actually been very obedient to the command of going and preaching and teaching, you know. Preachers are everywhere. But the area which we haven't obeyed very well is that before there is a going, there's actually a time of waiting because what the disciples are actually doing here is they are um, they go to an upper room, they spend time together in prayer. They spend time coming together. They spend time in fellowship together. And then after uh, quite a number of days, what occurs is that the Holy Spirit actually descends on these disciples. Then they are empowered. Look, that's very true. And when Jesus says to, you know, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, they then, um, they then say in verse six, uh, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So their heads are in a different, completely different place. Mm. And he says, Hey, it's not for you to know times and seasons. But then he goes back on in verse eight, doesn't he, to a really powerful verse there. And, and I wish we actually had time to actually really dig into this because I know that I've got two or three sermons, actually entire sermons that I bring out of Acts chapter 1 and 1 and 2. But to me, the really important question uh, that it comes out of here is Jesus has told them to wait. Why has he told them to wait? The reason he's told them to wait is because the Holy Spirit is actually going to bring a power on them that is going to bring push their, wa- their work forward in a way that nothing else can. Now, um, this we actually see it best, I, I think, David, when we actually see the way the Holy Spirit himself does actually work. And that's what I'd like to come to right now. So, you know, we, what we've got here is the Holy Spirit, the disciples have waited, and then they come to work. Now, what 
what is the work of the Holy Spirit? Now, I'd, I'd actually like to suggest to you that there are actually four things that the Holy Spirit's actually been called to called to do. Now, the first one we find in uh, in John chapter uh, sixteen, uh, and it's verse. Uh, uh, verse uh, 7 uh, and onwards from there. So John chapter 16, verse 7. Uh, and this is the first work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when people think of the Holy Spirit, they just think of, you know, some supernatural gift. That's not the first work of the Holy Spirit. This is the first one. Nevertheless, uh, John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. You know, to me, David, this is really, really important because this is the first work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just so conscious that I live in a world where rebellion against God is everywhere, and yet we can't talk about sin. People don't want to know about right and wrong, do they? They don't. And yet here, what we're being told is that the the work of conviction of sin actually belongs to the Holy Spirit. Now, this is quite remarkable because when a person actually, um, when a person does something wrong, there's actually a thing in everybody called a conscience. And the Holy Spirit actually works through. Now, consciences can be uh, seared or dulled. Seared and dulled as well. Uh, but uh, what we find is that the Holy Spirit will often work through the conscience, conscience, to, conscience to say what has occurred there is wrong. And the person comes to innately, you know, I actually find, I, I do preach about sin. But do you know the most powerful preacher about sin is actually the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit cannot be silenced. That's exactly right. And it's that, it's that continual, um, sensation, that feeling that in our, in our mind, Telling us that we've done something, something's not right. Things need to be fixed. That that really just presses us. And if we give into that as we should, then the Holy Spirit can clean us up, can't He? He can. He can. And that's exactly what does that does take place. And you know, to me, it's exciting because it's when a person is convicted of sin, they suddenly turn around and say, "Hey, I want to actually change." I well, I hope they respond in that way. Not everybody does. And that, of course, is the huge challenge with this. But the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Uh, please, let's not, not, uh, uh, the, the work of, the work of God, God is the primary motivator. Yes, He's given us the job of preaching. But to the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit has come, He will change lives. Now, David, the next thing, if we come to John fourteen twenty six, something else that the Holy Spirit uh, does does actually do, and uh, this is the second work of the Holy Spirit. And it's important we understand what the Holy Spirit is actually doing. First one is to convict the world of sin. Uh, the second one, but the Helper. This is uh, uh, John fourteen verse twenty six. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I've said to you. He will teach you all things. Why is this so important? Because there are so many things out there, Gary. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is God, right? Yeah. Uh, the Word of God is is God's written Word. 
the best interpreter of that will be the Holy Spirit. And we turn to so many sources these days, but if we really want to know right from wrong, truth from error, God's direction, we need to go to God himself and seek the Holy Spirit to to, to guide us. That's why we pray before we... We we study scripture. Yeah, 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 and that and that's the the heart and the core of of what scripture is actually on about. You know, one of the uh, passages that I uh, um, I really appreciate is uh, uh, the book of um, uh, book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter chapter six says this. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Uh, not laying a ground, the foundation of repentance from dead works. When a person has repented from sin, from dead works, what we find is that the Holy Spirit continues to draw that individual closer and closer. You know, David, to me, I don't know how you find it, but even as a pastor, the Holy Spirit is continually speaking uh, to me and try and and teaching me things which come out of His Word and also convicting us of sin. And you know, when I started ministry, I thought I was going to change the world. God had used me to change the world, and He does correct. But God is also working on our hearts. And so, Gary, when Jesus said to go and wait in Jerusalem, it's for a good reason. These men. Needed and the ladies that were there too, they needed preparation of heart, didn't they? They needed to be convicted of sin and they needed to be taught. Who was going to do that? The Holy Spirit. Indeed, indeed. And it's the Holy Spirit that's actually doing it. He's convicted of sin. Now he's drawing people to himself. You know, the work of the Holy Spirit is far more than just the giving of gifts. In fact, what we're going to discover is the giving of gifts is, in fact, the very last work that the Holy Spirit does. And that's for a very important reason, and we'll come to that in just a, just a moment. Thank you, Gary. Uh, we'll pause there. That's really uh, important topic, really, really powerful message so far. We're going to go to uh, Day Wind Singers, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus Just to take him at his word Just to rest upon his Save the Lord Jesus, Jesus How I trust Him Jesus, Jesus, oh. 
to trust the precious Jesus, save your friend. And I know that Thou art with me, wilt be with me to the Welcome back to Faith FM, big Q&A with Pastor David and Pastor Gary. Today we're looking at the all-important question, can the Holy Spirit change me? But before we go back to Pastor Gary on this topic, we're going to promote our giveaway for today, and it's called Spirit Baptism and Abiding in Christ. Spirit Baptism and Abiding in Christ. You need to text the code word, SA21, no gaps between SA and 21, SA21 to 04888. 80811. That's SA21 04888808811. And the giveaway is Spirit Baptism and Abiding in Christ, a critically important topic. The book is written by Dennis Smith. But back to you, Gary. Can the Holy Spirit change me? Yeah, and look, David, this is where, you know, we, uh, we really start to, uh, come to the pointy end, I suppose, of the stick on the, uh, with, with these last two. You know, we've already seen that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is functioning, His first work is to convict the world of sin. He will actually convict people. You know, to me, David, that tells me why, uh, as a, as a Christian, I need to be praying, uh, for my, my friends, my relatives, my next door neighbor, the people who have never accepted Jesus Christ to pray that the Holy Spirit will actually impact them because the Spirit can actually do a work that neither you nor me can do. And that's what the disciples did after they went back to Jerusalem. They prayed for those 10 days for each other, for their own lives and everyone else. So powerful, so powerful. But then the Holy Spirit, once a person has accepted Jesus Christ, we find Paul actually says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. How does Christ come into an individual? He comes in through the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I love that that passage. It's probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, that's how Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. How 
is it that the mind of Jesus can actually become my mind? Well, that occurs when the Holy Spirit is actually living within me, and that's exactly what he wants to do. In other words, what he's doing is changing me, but it's not because of some works-based um, dynamic that's occurring here. It's because there is a different spirit that's actually living within me. So how does that happen, Gary? How does the Holy Spirit live within you? I, I think, David, there is so much to um, a daily committal to Jesus Christ. Like, for example, you know, this morning I I, I was certainly I spent some time time in prayer just just this morning as I did the morning before, and I try to to each morning. And uh, it's committing your life to Jesus Christ. Just saying, Lord, um, one of the promises of scripture is uh, uh Jesus um Jesus has said that the father is more willing to give the holy spirit to those who ask than is an earthly father to give good gifts to his children now to me what that says is what i need to do is to actually ask and to keep asking correct and to on ask. a daily basis this is a daily event david this is a and then i will grow in christ but do you know to me the thing i love is how i'll actually grow because you know, will I change? Yes, I will, but will I have to have work? Do I have to work hard at it? No, I actually don't need to because when the Holy Spirit is living in my mind, something starts to take place. You know, I, I love Galatians chapter 5 and uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, 23, 24. Uh, what, what that says is that it talks about this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit is what actually I've got in my backyard. I've got a lemon tree sitting in my, my backyard. You know, so long as I put enough water on it, which I don't very often, but so long as I put enough water on it, I know that what's going to happen is lemons are going to come off. I don't get watermelons off that tree. I can only get lemons off that tree. But here, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who have Christ's are, uh, have crucified the flesh with its passions. And this, the fruit of this, the natural result of the Holy Spirit living in me is this fruit starts to evidence itself. And we don't produce it, do we? It's produced by being in connection with the the life source, Jesus Christ. And as we invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts, he begins to clean us up and change us as we give permission. And that's and that's exactly it. And you know, to me, I'm so conscious of of so many uh, young people, particularly. You know, I've seen older folk who they've come to Christ. Hey, look, Pastor, what do I have to do? You know, it's sort of what do I have to do? And this actually answers the question. What you need to do is to allow the Holy Spirit to function within your heart, within your mind. Uh, you know, that that passage, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, is just so powerful. A lot Lives can be changed, um, but only through the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Significantly, David, uh, this is this is not a result of education. You know, I hear a great deal of um, uh, of. Um, um, People, uh, people suggesting that what we need in our world today is better education. Well, yes, education is useful. I've got no problem with education. But you know, David, it's not the greatest need in the Christian's life. In the Christian's life, the greatest need is the work of the Holy Spirit because only the Holy Spirit can actually change the heart and the mind uh, so that then... Uh, 
good education can be acted on because, I mean, we are all well-educated people. Uh, we know we should go for a walk or a run uh, every single day. How many actually go for a walk or a run? It's not, not because of, it's not because of good education is the problem, and we're well-educated we ought to be doing that, but most actually don't do it. Why? Well, because the heart and the mind simply says, hey, that's not something I want to do. And this is so critical. Jesus knew this, right? And that's why in Acts chapter 1... Uh, before the church is born, it's really born in Acts chapter in in Acts one and Acts two. But before that, he's saying you've got to wait, you've got to uh, you know pray, you've got to be there waiting for the promise of the Father. He knew how critical this was. That that's that is exactly right, and that's why Christ in the uh, in the book of Acts said, "Look, what I want you to do is I want you to go firstly uh, into the upper room. I want you to spend time together. The Holy Spirit did His work in convicting the heart. He taught them uh, what they needed to know. He started to produce life in the work of the Christian. But then the last work of the Holy Spirit is so important. If I go to First uh, Corinthians chapter chapter twelve and uh, it's verse seven. Um, it says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the gift of wisdom, to another to through the Spirit, uh, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to others working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. And so the list actually goes on here. Do you know, David, as I look at this, I turn around and say, hey, this is God giving his Holy Spirit. Why is he given this, uh, the, the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit? Uh, well, he given them in order that believers may do ministry, in order that the Spirit may use their mouths to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. So not for ourselves. Not for ourselves. This is something that is a, this is an outward looking gift of this particular one. And you know, when I look at these particular gifts, I, I, I so often, uh, you know, these, uh, these gifts, we major on the person who is the preacher and the teacher, uh, the prophet and the evangelist. They get higher claim. But as I've pointed out to my church on numerous occasions, the most powerful gifts I believe are the gifts of encouragement, and hospitality. We see that in, in the early church, in the first couple of chapters of Acts, don't we? Hospitality and then Barnabas is a son of encouragement. And those two gifts alone will build a church. A good preacher alone will not build a church. Encouragement and hospitality will build a church. Gary, um, one of the things that I'm really big about is often, you know, with my Christian friends, uh, some people will be saying, you know, I really want the gift of tongues or I really want the gift of faith or the gift of this or the gift of that. And I think often we miss the, the forest for the trees. Is that how the saying oh, goes? yeah, yeah. Because I- the real gift is the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. That's what we should be seeking. And as we seek the Holy Spirit, He gives as He wills. And these gifts of teaching and preaching and mercy and hospitality and encouragement are the outworkings of the Holy Spirit. Indeed, indeed. But we should seek the gift, the Holy Spirit. The gift is the Holy Spirit, correct. Because, And what that means, David, is will there be some people who don't have the gift of healing? Yes, there will be. Are there some people who don't have the gift of preaching? Yes, there will be. Are there some people who don't have the gift of evangelism? Yes, there will be. But to every person there has been given a gift And to me, it's a beautiful gift because these gifts are given to allow ministry to occur. For equipping the saints, for 
for the building up ministry, the church. For the work of ministry. And really, Gary, um, I was saying to you in one of our breaks just before, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus tells his followers to wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they will have power. The Greek word there for power, didymus, actually has other connotations besides power, which are accurate. And they're actually the word power to be my witnesses, means the ability and the capability. So without the Holy Spirit coming upon us, we don't have the ability or the capability to be witnesses for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why he tells them to wait. Yeah. that's He tells them to wait so they can be convicted of their sin. Exactly. And, and you know, David, to me, uh, this is why growth in the Christian life is so, so linked to this issue of the impartation of the Holy Spirit. You know, my, my prayer is that uh, every single one of our listeners will be praying, Lord, give me this gift of the Holy Spirit. You have promised it in John's Gospel. You promised that you are more willing to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, then is a good uh, earthly father to give good gifts to his children. You've promised that, Lord, I want to claim that. This is not airy fairy, this is not ethereal, this this is real. This is real. This is real. Gary, thank you for that presentation. It, It is really powerful. It's an incredibly important topic. Uh, And we need to pray for the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Uh, Gary, let's pray, shall we? Love to. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for the fact that you have not left us as orphans when Jesus went back to heaven, but instead you've given us another comfort. You've given us someone to convict us of sin, to teach us, Lord, of righteousness and of judgment to come. You've given us someone to be there as a helper and a comforter. You've asked us, Lord, to ask for the Holy Spirit. You're a good father, and you give good gifts. And the Holy Spirit, besides Jesus, is the ultimate gift. So we pray for our listeners out there, Lord. Maybe some people are struggling and down and depressed or ready to give up. May they realize that you have given us the Holy Spirit to live within us. Mm. May we invite the Holy Spirit to be in our own hearts and in our own lives. Father, um, I pray that we won't delay putting off sin when our conscience through the Holy Spirit challenges us and convicts us of sin. May we give that over to you. May we confess and ask for you to forgive us. May we experience that peace. May we invite the Holy Spirit to create in us a new heart and a new mind. And may we believe that that is actually the case. Father, we commit ourselves to you. Be with our listeners And we ask this through Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Gary, our time is up for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining Pastor David and Pastor Gary on Drive Time Big Q&A. Tomorrow, don't forget to join us at 5 o'clock South Australian time because Hugh and Fabiano will spend the entire time discussing the incredibly important topic, Do Good Christians Still Struggle? Do Good Christians Still Struggle? We really look forward to seeing you then and joining us. But until then, please remember what Christ said in the Gospel of John. He said, I am leaving you with with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May God richly bless you, and we look forward to you joining our program tomorrow afternoon. God bless. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.